Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a Wednesday evening around the seven o'clock hour. We've got a real cool guest hanging out with us on Zoom. So we're staring at each other through cameras, which is the next best thing to, I guess, sitting on our couch, which Amanda has now decided she's going <laughs> to occupy for the, for the duration of since this we, time. Since we don't have a guest on the couch tonight, yes, I've taken over it. As I said so to you're our- So you're now the guest. I'm the happening. guest. Well, as I so said to our actual guest that uh, I've had a long day of dealing with kids and virtual school. So I said, I'm just going to kick my feet up here and sit on the couch. I hope you don't mind. Virtual and school. He seemed okay with it. Uh, so actually tonight uh, we have Michael Faraday on Zoom with us, who, as most of you know, is the executive director and CEO of the RMTAO. And if any of you remember, uh, I wish I had looked up the date before we did this, but it was a while back. We had um, Andrew LaWarren on, who was the executive director at the time. And he was just kind of filling us in about what the RMTA is doing and what they're focusing on. And it's been a while since we've looked into that. And Michael's here to catch us up of what we've maybe missed over <laughs> the last I'm couple of lie. years. I'm not going to lie. So we've, we've spoken about a brief interaction on the podcast before, and I don't know if you've heard it. You probably haven't, or else you probably would have decided to, to oh, not no. be here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. So I originally reached out to you on LinkedIn and we had a, a very kind of general back and forth, maybe a couple lines here, a couple lines there. And then I brought up the podcast and then it went radio silence. And I was like, I think this guy does not want to be on the podcast <laughs> at all because we had a nice banter of like, hey, how you doing? Things are good. Oh, congratulations on the position. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, oh, I've got this podcast. Would you consider being a guest? Tumbleweeds. <laughs> well, he had to he had to learn about uh, the podcast a little bit, probably first, and decide: Do I want to talk to these two clowns? And you know what? And, and if your if your answer so, was, uh, I... <laughs> I don't remember you inviting me, but uh, I'm sure you did. And uh, I think it's probably I got real busy or something like that. Um, all you need to do is ask me, and I'll I'm prepared to show up at anything, and I have shown up at just about anything anyone has invited me to. So. I apologize for that, Mark, because I do no. remember you reaching out to me, and uh, and uh, I'm sorry that I left you with that impression, which is probably why it's taken me so long to get on this show. I guess. <laughs> no apologies necessary, because I did think like this this guy, he's heard what we do, and he's like, I don't want any part of it. And to be honest, <laughs> with you, if that was your, if legitimately, if that was your answer, I wouldn't blame you. I really wouldn't blame no, you. No, it's well, that's not my job. My job is to to be on your show. My job is to talk about what we're doing. So. Um, sorry about that. That was, uh, unintended, but, uh, I can't, I can't even recall what happened or what was going Don't on. Don't apologize. It made for, it made for a funny story later because I said, yeah, he totally didn't want to talk to you anymore, Mark. <laughs> yeah, there was all kinds of, uh, no, I'm joking. I was going to say, there's all kinds of people warning me, like, be careful. No, stay away from uh, Mark. Like I've been on a couple of podcasts already. So, um, it, it just got lost in, in what was going on. Um, for us, I mean, like I started, uh, my first day really was the annual general meeting of uh, two years ago, I guess, Jan in January. Mm -hmm. And I had about a month on the job before COVID hit. And uh, I was very excited about the opportunities for RMTs and where we could go in the, in the ensuing year. And then this happened. And... Um, I remember just when everything was shut down, uh, the team and I met and we said, you know, this is a real opportunity for us to show value. And what we're going to do is, you know, we have lots and lots of plans about things we want to do, but we're going to basically focus on how can we help 
our members? How can we help RMTs through this very, very, very difficult time? And if you recall, like we literally, everybody was not able to even work. Uh, so it was a very, very difficult time. And so I think, you know, we were, gave us a chance to really show what we could do. Um, and I know, you know, we have a very small staff or had it and we're, we're slowly growing and we had some very difficult financial years and all that kind of stuff that we had to navigate through. But at the same time, this is a chance to, was a chance really to show how we could help people and advocate for them. And, um, you know, I think that we did a good, a good job doing that. I mean, it's obviously a lot of fear. A lot of people were very uh, concerned about things. There was a lot of discussion about, you know, do we even want to come back to work? And uh, I think the way we looked at it is, you know, we're a, we're a regulated health profession. We deserve to be treated like all the other regulated health professions. And we advocated that way. And so when everyone went back to work, we were considered an essential service. And I'm involved in a lot of ministry tables discussing the pandemic, you know, with people like Dr. Williams are on these calls and stuff like that. And I have absolutely no concern that we'll ever be picked uh, as sort of like, uh, you know, an exception rather than part of the, the, you know, the highest standard for health professional, which is a regulation health regulated health professional. So, you know, we've seen, uh, our membership, uh, last year, we started to get a lot of members, new members during the pandemic, which we never have never seen. Our membership was up uh, last year, 5%. Uh, over the previous year, which is the highest increase we had since uh, 2015. And I'm happy to say that a few weeks ago, we passed our total for all of last year, nice. which is a very good sign. And we're very happy with that. I think it's we, we all feel it's because it's not because we do a clever marketing campaign around membership or I mean, we really just work hard to answer the phones, be there for people, advocate for people. Uh, you know, whatever the issue is, like a lot of students were having challenges with Prometric. We really, I advocated very strongly with them. I, you know, met with them, uh, spoke with them, uh, had lots of meetings with uh, CMTO about that and stuff like that. And I think we were able to help people. So, you know, we're, we're excited about the opportunity we were given. And I think we reinforced our position, particularly with the people like the ministry. I know over the last year, I think I've had three or four run-ins with the Premier Ford about negative things. He's sort of, you know, I'm not sure what he thinks of RMTs or massage therapists, but uh, he's clearly not as informed as he should be. Definitely not. You get you guys <laughs> went to bat for us, though. Like when you were saying that, you know, you really advocated for RMTs during COVID, that was one thing I really appreciated that the minute that, you know, you have somebody like Doug Ford saying, you know, answering a question of why can you uh, get a massage, but you can't get a haircut. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, RMTs were like, what do you mean you don't know? And oh, yeah. you guys went to bat for us there and made sure that they understood that we are healthcare and we are essential. And I don't think we'll ever be shut down again. No, we're, we, we're on this we table definitely now. won't. Would you think Doug Ford would know, though? Like, I wouldn't expect him to know. No, that's know. exactly what you said when I was mad about it. it. it You're like, like, why should he know what we do? Yeah. I don't know what he does. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not the premier of the I, province. I get he it. should know. He, well, uh, I mean, he had the minister of health standing right behind him. So Who also but, didn't you know. know. Yes, well, that should have been an answer um, for the minister of now. health. They right? know that if we don't, if they don't, you know, Dr. Williams has made him a couple of, you know, like it's in, inadvertent and not thoughtful. But, you know, they, if they... Omit us or or 
marginalize us and with some comment, we're gonna we're gonna jump in. And As I you think the last time this happened was uh, a month or two ago. Uh, again, Ford uh, made a comment about, um, you know, I think he was trying to deflect uh, in some of the inadequacies of their uh, vaccine rollout. Yes, he says, yes. you know, God bless the massage therapists, but you know they shouldn't be getting uh, vaccinated before the eighty-year-olds. Yep. And so, like, I was literally at the dentist, my mouth, and, and I was getting a filling, so I was frozen, and uh, I got a call from Global. And uh, rushed back to the office, and uh, my hair was a mess, and everything like that. But, and and of course, they were going with the story he wanted, which was, you know, why do you think that you're more important than eighty-year-olds? Like, you know, that's really what they were looking for me to say. But, you know, I, I've I've been around the block, and I've been media trained and stuff like that. So I tried to change it to a diff- totally different. I did change it to a totally different message, which, which was, yeah, we just we should follow the plan and. Uh, I think that embarrassed Ford because the next day he went at us again with another thing. So, uh, but you know, we were the voice of logic and it gave us a chance to do one of our, uh, they wanted to do something inside one of our clinics and stuff like that. But yeah, we need to stand up for the profession and we want to do a lot more of that. And I just think as we grow and develop our advocacy team side of the side of our organization, we'll, we'll do a lot more. But um, so the, you know, the pandemic has been a challenge when I started I, I'm probably uh, brought in more because of my relationships with the the Ministry of Health and also, you know, my background with running organizations. We have had two years where we had a deficit. And I think the previous year was like a deficit of, you know, 130,000. So uh, I was able to change, we were able to change that around fairly quickly. We actually made a surplus last year in the middle of the pandemic when a lot of our revenue streams were down. And that's enabled us to hire another person that can do our education and webinars and things like that and events, which is an area that, you know, we, we see as important to us. And we're about to add another person um, because we have, you know, because we have the finance, financial ability to do that, that could help me with advocacy and also a lot of the other admin stuff. So I think uh, the capacity of the organization was an issue. We were a very small team. We had lots of ideas, but we need uh, resources uh, to be able to exploit those things. And I think where we are now coming out of the pandemic is in a very strong position. We have a very good board. I mean, I'm excited to to work with the board. Uh, Many of them are new to the board, but very experienced. And Mm -hmm. they're, you know, very strong, I think, from an RMT perspective. And what's nice is that they're willing to sort of look at issues I mean, I'm not a clinical person, but they they have the clinical expertise to make uh, policy statements or position, do position statements on things. And I know they're working on that. So it's very exciting to have those position statements because that's what I can advocate around. The other piece is that um, I'm very keen to sort of reinforce the position of, of RMTs within the Ontario healthcare system. What you may or may not know is for the last several years, the Ontario healthcare system is moving in a direction that's based on integrated team-based, community-based care, essentially wellness, a wellness uh, health system, keep people well as opposed to fix them when they're sick. And, um, you know, I was very involved in that through my work in primary care and so knew a lot of the players in that. But uh, this, I think, is fantastic news for RMTs because I think yes, we – deserve to be integrated and part of those teams 
And so, um, unfortunately, the last year, no one, well, either at the provincial level or, or we'll mention a little bit when we get into HST at the federal level, could even talk, was even able to talk about anything other than the pandemic. Mm. But, you know, I have, I know the people to reach out to. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of time, but integrating us into family health teams and Ontario health teams and all of that activity and where that leads to, I think is very exciting for massage therapy. I mean, we have uh, a lot to say about some of the, a lot to contribute, I should say, about a lot of the issues that are, were the big issues in, in Canada in healthcare and Ontario in healthcare are, you know, aging at home. You know, you have seniors, Alzheimer's, those big issues, huge. Um, mental health, uh, anxiety, mild to moderate anxiety, depression, stress, those are huge fa- challenges. They were before the pandemic and they're even more significant now. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've got, we can be part of the solution uh, on a lot of these really, really important issues. And not only can we be part of the solution or should be part of the solution, um, but we also are an alternative to the very expensive approaches that typically uh, the government has, has taken, you know, instead of prescribing opiates and things like that uh, for, for stress and, or, or I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, back pain and stuff like that. Um, you know, we're a much more natural approach. And I think, if anything, the pandemic has reinforced the importance of touch, of connection. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I, I really think, you know, we've got a lot of hard work ahead of us. We're excited by that, though, and I think uh, we're looking forward to it. But I think the future for R&Ts um, is very, very positive as we move forward, despite all the challenges and the fact that everybody's been shut down and hardly making any money. And, uh, you know, we haven't been able to uh, we've just started to graduate uh, people and they've gone through the OSCEs and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. this all sounds really exciting. Um, there's a whole bunch of questions I have, but I, I wanted to let you you speak a little bit first about what's going on there. The first thing, you know, you brought up um, the increase in membership during a pandemic. I think you sort of already mentioned the fact that you feel that the reason for that was the advocacy. Do you have any like evidence or a- anything to or do, I guess you could just decide um, what you think was the reason, but why do you think so many more people were joining the association at a time when there was all these questions about like, are we going to make any money? Are we going to be able to to work? I feel like a whole bunch of RMTs just wanted to feel connected. I feel that has a big part to do with it. Yeah. They want to feel connected. They want some guidance. Where do I go for guidance? The professional association. I'm not a member of that. Let me become a member of that. Let me see if I can get something out of this. I feel like that has a lot to do connection, with it. Connection, yeah. Right? The, the connection and the guidance that you, 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 you're you looking for that. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to turn for that? That's true. Do you agree with that, Michael? Yeah, I do. I think um, when people feel vulnerable, um, you know, I think it's just a natural uh, thing to, to, you know, to want to be part of a bigger group to sort of, uh, connect on a, on a bigger level. Um, and, and maybe it's not surprising that, uh, you know, during times like this, uh, associations, I, I think generally from what I've talked to and some of my peers, uh, you know, people are, are, you know, um, at least in Ontario staying with their associations, but, um, we also, I think, helped ourselves. It's not like we were 
I mean, perhaps historically we've been a fairly quiet organization, fairly small, but, you know, first or second day of the pandemic, I had letters out to Trudeau and Ford and everything like that. Now, I'm not sure if my, I don't think my letter made the difference to getting served, but uh, it was one of many letters that they got, I'm sure. But, you know, we, we really used it as a chance for us to show what we could do. We focused really on, you know, answering every phone call, every, every email that we got. And I think historically, I think the team has always done a good job of that. But if we got a request, we worked very, very hard to get answers back to people. We tried to supply lists to assist people going back to work. I worked very hard at building the, uh, you know, my, um, my rapport and, and uh, my relationship with the CMTO. So we were involved and brought into their discussions about when they were going to, uh, you know, put out their uh, back to work kind of uh, guidelines and things like that. So we helped input that. But I think, you know, we we worked hard to make sure that we were there for people. And I think my own feeling is when you do that, you people see the value. Like it, it may not show immediately, but but people start to see that. And it's really through consistent effort day after day of doing that kind of thing that you're going to grow. And I think, you know, our, our goal is to grow on a very solid platform so that, you know, we may not be flashy. We may not do a huge membership or advertising campaigns, partly because we don't have the money. Otherwise we'd probably love to do that, but you know, we, we want to build solidly on what we have. And I think that's been our focus to sort of really show value uh, to people. So, you know, I think it's a combination of those things. We stepped up, you know, uh, with, we've done a lot of, I think, good work with a new webinar, Haridi, our new webinar person. Um, there's lots of stuff that we have to do, we want to do, uh, and, you know, are just starting to be able to turn to now. But, yeah, I think it's it, it's a combination of many of those things. Yeah, and I, I, I will say for sure that, you know, during the pandemic and as we were preparing to go back to work, I know that myself... And almost every RMT I know was posting on their websites and on their Instagram, like the the infographics from the RMTAO about what to expect when you come back. And, you know, we uh, everybody was really using the RMTAO as a resource because all of us still were like, what is going on? Is it safe? What do we do? How do we talk to our clients? And th- I think that was where the association really came through to yeah. be like, okay, this is what you guys need to do. And this is how we're all going to get back to work safely. And the whole building community thing is so massive. Mm-hmm. When that whole pandemic started, we decided we're going to do something as an organization to help build community. And so we put together a one day, a 12 hour educational experience. We got 10 speakers to, to, to give their time and put together presentation and we threw together a 12-hour live stream of education and that built so crazy community and that felt really good to do and then the same thing with the canadian massage conference the canadian rmt conference they're like we're doing this thing in the summer and we're keeping our conference in september we're going to bring it virtual and just kind of all of those pieces still being there were such a big thing for rmts in the community and feeling like okay this is this is something that i can survive yeah this was helpful for all of our own mental health Right, because we went back to work, and a little bit of normalcy. Majority of us, like, we don't have a choice but to work, right? And so we, as soon as it was deemed safe that we could go back and we're essential, we had to go back to work. But I know there was a lot of people who were having a lot of anxiety about it, and you brought that up earlier, Michael, where you said there were people who were questioning even staying in the profession. Um, 
Do you happen to know of any therapists or, you know, it did that happen? Were there a lot of people who just said, that's it, I'm out? Yeah, I do know that uh, just from the numbers of CMTO, that they are down two years in a row. So there are people leaving the profession. I mean, I guess there's been a, a shortage of normally the, the new people are just starting to come in now. Right. But, you know, we've seen our membership not just grow against a growing number of RMTs, but against a shrinking number of RMTs. So there have been people that have made that choice. I mean, most of our membership growth was obviously not new grads, which normally represents about 15% of of our growth or new members every year. Mm -hmm. Right. But was almost entirely... uh, people who had been with the association before or had never been with the association before. So that was, that was really remarkable to see experienced RMTs come back or join the, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of that was kind of like word of mouth, people talking about the kind of thing. So we all needed to step up. And I think, I think as a profession, you talk about, you know, what's our identity. And I think our identity is very, very positive. I mean, there's lots of voices out there. There's 13, 14,000, RMTs, you know, we have, uh, if you include students or 7,000 members ourselves, but, uh, and a lot of opinion and so on and so forth. But basically, I think the profession came together and maybe it's the spokes, you know, it's always the leaders that sort of bring, bring things together, but they, they can't do that unless uh, people are, like, are of a like mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were, we're actually on the uh, student day panel for the Canadian RMT conference. And so the student day is happening in June on June June 11th. And so we were just talking to the organizers last night and their big mission right now, because again, as you mentioned, all of those students that graduated and then were unable to do their exams or, you know, even had to um, have some delays with their school and their clinic hours and whatever, just a lot has happened in the last year and students have really taken a beating. And so their main goal right now with this student day and with the panel is to just fire them back up again. You know, let them know this is the profession you want to be in. This is a place you want to be. And look at all of us and we're doing great. And, you know, one thing we were all joking about last night, but it's true, is like because everybody's dealing with so much right now, um, work from home. So there's, you know, growing pains with that, trying to set up a home office, you know, and maybe a teeny tiny apartment, your kids are running around and then there's stress and, you know, financial stress and stress from the pandemic and anxiety and all of these things. Most RMTs I know are just busy right now. You know, we've we've got people banging down our doors like we need you. So, you know, these are the types of things that I hope these students are going to get and realize like this is where you want to be. And, you know, Come join the association, be part of the community. And I think when people are a part of this community, overall, it is really positive. There's always going to be the negative people and, you know, people who have a ton of opinions. But I think overall, it's pretty positive. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've we've uh, recognized that, number one, the schools and the students are kind of our lifeblood. So part of where I want to go in the next year is to really build that relationship. But, you know, we cut our, our price. We also, I mean, students are half price. We, we kind of cut our price uh, when we decided what we we're going to do this year, because we knew that there would be hardship. When I heard the change and I had the conversation with CMTO about the switch pro metric, I could see that there really wasn't going to be anyone there advocating for the students. Mm-hmm. It was kind of left a little bit, uh, 
you know, to chance. So, you know, I felt we needed to step up and be there for them. Normally we, we don't get too involved and more, it's more our, our paid members that we kind of more actively support. The student members don't really have necessarily the same connection with us uh, and feel as comfortable contacting us, but we're there for them. But yeah, this is the lifeblood. The, like you said, um, Amanda, the work is there. The demand is there. Um, um, and so on and so forth. So there's, you know, it's very positive for massage therapy going forward. I think some of the challenge there's there are challenges about uh, becoming a massage therapist and making a decent living and and lots of those things that that I think. Uh, but I think you know the the outlook is 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 quite positive. So we need to take that and work with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you brought up Prometrics a couple of times. I just oh. wanted to ask you. <laughs> I I mean, I'm not trying to get controversial here, but you know. Obviously, you know that there was a huge kerfuffle, for <laughs> lack of a better better term. Um, I'll say it. It was a shit show. It, it was a shit show. It was kind of a disaster. People getting, you know, well, quadruple charged. Well, yeah, and- because we see that all the time because we run an OSCE prep program for people that, you know, want a little bit of extra assistance in trying to manage their way through the, the licensing exam. And so we have a whole bunch of people coming in saying like, oh, I got charged four times, five times, six times, seven times, and then I can't get in touch with anybody. And then when you get refunded because it's US dollars, the exchange, I've lost money on this. It's just been a whole disaster. It right? was a disaster. And then there's a whole other, there's a whole other group of people that are a forgotten group of people. Like I have people that are, were coming to do OSCE prep. They failed in 2019. Now it's changed over to Prometrics and they haven't heard anything from Prometrics. They don't know, can they book their exam? They haven't heard anything from the college saying, this is where you go to do your exam. And they're just left going, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who I should call. I don't know. I, I don't know if I should be waiting to hear from somebody. So it's not till I spoke to a whole bunch of people. I'm like, you should start sending some emails to the college to find out what's going on with you because you are now that forgotten group of people. And that was a little bit of a disaster. But whatever you're doing with Prometrics is brilliant from a strategic standpoint anyway. I mean, if students are kind of the bread and butter, there's no better way to like get in there with the idea of students like, hey, you've got this issue with this company that's doing the licensing exam and we are going to speak on your behalf to try to correct some of these things. I'm like, that's a goal strategic move, even though it probably didn't come from a strategic planning standpoint, right? That came just from this is what we should do type of thing. But that's a that's brilliant on its own. Yeah. Well, I, I think two things. One, recognizing that students and the schools and the, the, the teachers and professors and so on and so forth, that instructors, that they have a lot of influence over what their, how their students think and stuff like that. That, that's, that is strategically important to us. Um, I think the way I look at it um, more, though, is, is how can we help people? How can we be a service to people? And I think, no, you don't need to pull any punches. It was, as you said, a shit show. It was a disaster. Yep. And, and and I think talking to the CMTO in prior to January, when they were, before they were switching, I could see that they were just not going to be that active in helping shepherd this fruit. And it turned out, and Prometric admitted this to me, like that, that they did a very bad job of transitioning. They're a big American company. Right. You know, they probably know what, I'm sure they know what they're doing, but, you know, the whole you know, exchange rate and the whole logistics were just, uh, it wasn't until really March the 3rd that they really got straightened out. Now they are doing a lot of exams. The CMTO today was talking to the call, the call independent colleges. Uh, They have not done a great job as far as I can see. And I don't know how many times I've contacted them and the CMTO about their poor 
their ability, their, their lack of ability, I guess, to respond to inquiries from people. Right. So I think they still, they still have a long way to go and um, we'll see. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the jury's still out. It's, it's people are graduating now. Uh, it's positive, but they need to be uh, accountable in some way to, to their clients and uh, their client isn't just the CMTO. And I, but I do think the CMTO clearly Corinne today was talking that they, I think they all admit they haven't done a good job. They need to do better. So there's at least some recognition of that, but we'll see. Uh, there has been improvement. Uh, people, they've expanded the number of OSCEs and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. people can take them almost right up until December, which is, which is, I gather, not typical, but we'll see. I mean, but that's the, that there was a gap. I think we needed to, someone needed to step up. It wasn't going to be anyone else if we didn't step up. So we had to do that. This is the perfect example of why the RMTAO is a very difficult thing to manage. It's a, it's, it's, it's a beast that is impossible to, to, to do everything perfectly because you can't. It's impossible, right? So for example, you, you, it's a catch-22. You're limited in what you can do because of the membership that you have. And therefore, it's hard to display value without having the means to display value, which is relying on the membership. But if I'm not a member, I still reap the benefits of the work that you do. Yep. So then I'm sitting there going, 10 years in as a therapist, I've never joined the RMTAO in my life, but I still reap the benefits of everything y'all do. So why the hell would I do that now? It's it's a, it's a an impossible fucking mission at the end of the day. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got the critics who um, you know are watching what you do, but not uh not members so not all the criticisms are inaccurate some of them are very accurate but nonetheless it's an impossible job yeah and i won't disagree with you there uh, mark it's you know with six thousand over six thousand paying members uh regular members um there's a lot of opinion yep and and that's okay i think everybody the way i look at it is uh every member is entitled to expressing opinion i think but you know you're never going to get uh, no one is. No one out there represents the six thousand people. Like in sur we do surveys, but you can never get more than a few hundred. Like if we get a thousand people on a survey, that is exceptionally good. But that doesn't represent the majority. So right. you know, our system is. You know, the board is elected by the members. They're the ones that have the strategic direction. But you know, we. I, I look at it as you know, people have something to say. I need to listen and hear what they have to say. I, I can't, I mean, I think like you just said, we, we have limited resources and it's great to sort of when you're armchair quarterbacking and sitting out there and say, you should do a bus campaign or, you know, average, huge advertising campaign to promote massage therapy and stuff like that. You know, the reality is we, we we're, we're a long ways away from that kind of having that kind of funding. We have the lowest membership fee of any of the associations across Canada. I think that's not, I, Maybe that wouldn't have been a greatest thing coming into the job, but I think that's that's a good thing for us to say. I like to say that. And so, you know, um, people, I think, can ride on our coattails, but I'm hoping that more and more uh, RMTs are saying, you know what, I really want to step up for the profession. The best way I can do that for the profession as a whole is to support the association so they can do advocacy on my behalf. It's not a lot. It's not a huge fee to, to pay. So I think the more people that sort of are brought into the mainstream that want to be part of something bigger uh, will do so. And I, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that challenge. 
Like I, it's, it's, you know, I've had people demanding my resignation. People thought that we shouldn't go back to work. Uh, you know, it was, uh, I, I've realized uh, a little bit that I have sort of like over 6,000 bosses uh, <laughs> to some degree. And uh, not, I'm not sure if, I don't know what the percentage is of that agree on every issue, but I don't think it's very high. So it's not quite where you have 6,000 opinions, but I've got, there's a lot of opinion out there. And there's some pretty, there's some very passionate people that absolutely believe what they're saying has got to happen tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to preach patience and it's not that the ideas are bad. It's just, it's, it's going to take time to, to, what's, you know, you got to turn the ship around. We need to get on a solid financial footing. We needed to do that in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and I think we need to build on our successes. You know, we have a conference our own conference coming up uh, this year, we decided to go to an annual conference. I think there's an opportunity to make this an, an international, nationally important uh, conference. Uh, but we had hoped that they would be sort of a partial live, partial virtual. And so, you know, we've we had to go all virtual. And so it's a learning curve for us. And I think our, our focus is to, to execute this well. We got, I think, a very strong roster of uh, of speakers and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's a build. Uh, someone told me the other day that the first Olympics only had 14 countries attend. So, you know, you start, you have to start off, you have to be patient. We have to build on stuff like that. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think that's one thing that I've learned over the many, many years that as much as I'm impatient for, for change and wanting to make things better and always continuous improvement that, we have to look at the, the longer term and the big picture, and we have to try and build on our successes uh, as long as we continue to want to get better. See, this is why I can never be involved in an organization like this. Because <laughs> no, 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 no patience? Because one, I have no patience. <laughs> it's true. I have no patience. I don't have patience at all. And I'm of, of the false belief that anything can happen right here and now. Now, when you're running a big operation, a larger operation, like what you're doing, you have to have patience. For me, the little guy that's running this show here, like I can make it happen tomorrow, no problem. But I also recognize like I can't do what you guys do, do you there. see my face right now? What? Because some, sometimes I think you've got like a short-term memory what do you loss mean? problem. What are you talking about? Nothing happened for Con Ed overnight. We've been slowly no, 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 that's farming not, that's, and building that's, this business that's not for what many, I mean. many, That's years. not what I mean, though. <laughs> I mean, if we want to make a U-turn and go balls to the walls on, on an idea, we can make that happen. We don't have to worry about a whole bunch of people. But we don't have 6,000 well, bosses. That's, that's the, oh, <laughs> and, and with your 6,000 bosses, I do want to know this about your 6,000 bosses. You don't have to say anything other than just you can nod yes or no. Whenever you get those emails from certain bosses, Bosses, do you just roll your eyes like are you again? <laughs> That's what um, I want to know. I've probably asked the same ten questions to uh, certain parties uh, a dozen times, um, and it's not so. And usually, what I do is uh, I have uh, you know I don't know if you know some of our team, but Laura is very good mm -hmm. with very patient with with members. We always thank people. Um, we always. Um, you know, try and let them know we we're listening to them. We hear them. And so, but sometimes you have to say, you know, we have to agree to disagree, but right. so I often sort of let them vet what I'm about to write. And I I've learned not to write an answer when I read those uh, letters or emails at 10 o'clock at night and just shoot off something back. But trust me, no, I, I think it's, uh, you know, that's part, I guess that's part of the thing, but I mean, I, I'm certainly, uh, I'm a person that believes that the system can change. And 
Um, and certainly when I was younger, Mark, and I'm not, you know, millennials are, I was never a millennial, obviously, but millennials, I think, want things to happen. I'm a millennial. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't, I don't so I'm mentioning that because that's, that's, that's what people want. People want stuff to happen right away. Yeah. Um, well, not me. I'm a, I'm a geriatric millennial. I just learned that new term because I was born, I was born in the early eighties. <laughs> I'm not sure if even mentally I'm a millennial anymore, but, um, but you know, um, when you're confronting a system and I've been involved in primary care reform for, you know, I guess about 10 years and man, I burn with a passion for some of for some change. Cause I come at from the perspective of a patient, you know, I have a son who's autistic. I have sons with chronic disease. I've had chronic disease myself. So the frustrations of the system really, really, I felt, you know, needed to change. It needed to be more responsive, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I was confronted over and over again with the system. Like I think I could see that the ministry people wanted to encourage change, but at the same time, there's a lot of vested interest mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's easy to get disappointed and disillusioned, but I think I've become a little more wise in the ways of, of the power brokers and things like that. But I think I'm still, I still believe in change. I still believe in and passionately believe that we need to make the system better. And, uh, I'm glad that, you know, um, I kind of got into well, like massage therapy, I think is right where a lot of the action is going to happen. Like, I, I don't think it's really just changing the way doctors approach things and that, I mean, that's, they're one of the biggest vested interests out there, but it's really through community-based wellness approaches that I think our future was where our, the future lies for Ontarians and how we keep people affordably uh well mm-hmm. you know so anyway uh yeah we want change but in and it's i i see that you know you want it right away um and um at the same time i think i've learned i'm older and wiser and you know have had been through many battles and have many battle scars to know that it's you know we really have to consistently look at thing and move forward in a a solid foundation to to make change. Yeah, and there's certain things that can't happen overnight. I know Mark said he's not patient. He believes anything's possible. But I think deep down, you know, that if you want like real quality change and you want the an entire system to be reformed and moving in the direction you want, it's going to take some time I get and it. some effort. I, get I know it. you get it. You just couldn't do it. You don't want to drive the boat. <laughs> I don't want to drive the boat. I'm I'm more the kind of guy that would uh, gaslight a revolution than than drive. The, <laughs> seriously, than steer organized change. That's just the way I operate. I'm I'm a fan of disruption models, and therefore I can't I can't That's be associated true. with hardcore structure organized. You know what I mean? That's just not the way I roll. But anyway, someone's got to do it. So someone's got to do it. Yeah. So first of all, I think anything is possible. I don't. Dis- I still believe in that. Um, disruption is the only way change happens. Exactly. Like it's not it's not going to happen just by acquiescing. So. Uh, strategic disruption, uh, disruption maybe is where I'm focused. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I really want things to change for uh, Ontarians. Like I, I think the health system has to change. I mean, look at look at what's happened with the pandemic. I mean, that was just mishandled so badly. Um, and you know, I sit at these every week. There's a meeting of the you know Dr. Williams and the emergency operations center table or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, frankly, I mean, it's getting frustrating because nothing really of substance gets discussed there. I mean, you hear the numbers, 
Uh, they're not, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're protecting their position more or, you know, they like, it's not, you know, so it's, it's a little bit concerning right. to, to be there and you hear it and you're sort of the squeaky wheel. And sometimes you get tired of being the squeaky wheel and you just realize you're not, you know, maybe, I mean, it was good for us because it meant that we were being heard. Like, like I used to really come up with some opinions at, at those tables and you get to ask questions. And I think that helped, you know, people say, Hey, RMTs, I haven't, are they even part of this group hmm. um, type of thing? But, right. you know, so we, you know, we've been at the table, we've been advocating strongly, but it is frustrating. Um, and it's disruption that is going to change the world, not, uh, you know, gradual, gradual change will happen. I don't just, you know, but look at, just look at world events and things like that. What, what happens, what changes may not always be a revolution, but disruption is what we need. And we need to change the system. I, I absolutely firmly believe that. I know you can't see Mark's face, but he's he's smiling now. He's like, yes, yeah. disrupt yeah. it all. But, <laughs> and you know what, Mark? We need guy, guys and gals, Amanda, that want to be out there. Like you got, we just can't be, you know, the middle of the road people. You know, I'm, I'm sort of advocating more of a, you know, measured approach. But we need people to push the envelope. Like I think that's important. And, uh, you know, uh, it takes all, all of that to sort of create change. Um, I mean, look, look at what's happening in the U.S. with, uh, you know, George Floyd and that, like, that situation has been happening just for years. Yep. Yeah. You know, finally, people are starting to get up uh, and, and do something about it. But it, it's not because people were just sitting down and saying, well, you know, let's hopefully we'll change. Like, it took, people were marching in the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can march in the streets anytime. I may even show up there uh, with you as long as, uh, uh, yeah, as long as I don't have to wear a suit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do suits. It's okay. Yeah, I know. I, I'm in a shirt because uh, I'm trying to project that image, you know. That <laughs> image. Well, you know, I, I hope that this past year in this pandemic has actually opened people's eyes with or without us. Like I know that, you know, the advocacy is there and we've all been shouting it for years and years and years, just as you said, but I hope that people are realizing how important wellness is. You know, nothing is ever being talked about when you talk about uh, healthcare here in Ontario. We're not talking about how to keep ourselves healthy and strengthen our immune systems and, you know, exercise. Sure. Every once in a while, like John Tory will say, go outside and get some exercise. But the last year has kept everybody like cooped up and scared and, you know, order from your local restaurant. So we're all just eating crappy and not moving and stressed, stressed like crazy. So I hope that maybe some people are really opening their eyes to realize like, I, I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of my body. And we are a big factor in that body, mind, everything. RMTs are essential. I'll say it again. We're essential. Well, we are essential. The Ontario government says so. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I think that, you know, people are seeing, you know, uh, when you talk about healthcare reform and seniors and stuff like that, isolation is probably the biggest challenge to the wellness of seniors. Mm -hmm. And we all got a super long and still are involved in a, in that, that exact kind of situation where we've been all socially isolated. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, people don't like to talk about it a huge amount, but it's affecting people in a big, big way. The yeah. tsunami that they're going to have after this with the, you know, mental health and stress and all that kind of things that show up after the fact is going to be a real challenge for the government to deal with. And I think, you know, again, 
where could you go during the pandemic to get that connection or that touch with any any person? I mean, a visit to your doctor in the five minutes, which which would basically be virtual. Yeah, I was going to say most of the time you can't even yeah. go to your doctor right yeah, now. You can't you can't meet with. But this this was. Uh, I mean, I I think people's eyes were open to some extent. I mean, it's it's also you've you've got to hit the decision makers. You got to make the value proposition and things like that. There's a lot to to creating change, but but I think. If anything, this past pandemic has been uh, helped reinforce the importance of massage, the importance of touch, and the, and how we can help as be part of the solution. Absolutely, mm. well, Michael. Is there anything else you want to make sure that people know, or any you know words of wisdom, little golden nuggets you can leave us with? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, let's not stretch it here, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, no pressure. Um, we're involved in a lot of in a lot of fronts, you know, the insurance industry obviously is very, very important. Um, what I've learned over the last year that is, it's, it helps us if we work with other associations. And so I've really invested time with, there's a, a number of association groups, there's a coalition of auto insurance associations and uh, a lot of acronyms. Uh, I can't even remember what they mean anymore, but you know, we've, they target the, uh, and I'm working with them um, on insurance issues because we're a very small voice in a basically these huge uh, corporations that are national. And not only are they national, we're just one of many, many clients that they, that they service. Like, so, um, but we, I've been through a strategy session with, uh, with the coalition of, uh, the coalition as well, I'll call it simpler. Hmm. And, you know, they, we're all aligned, like the chiropractors, the occupational therapists, you know, delisting, big, big issue. Right. Uh, the, in, you know, encroachment of uh, insurance companies into health services like Lumino. Yes. I was actually on a call. Like I'm part of a Facebook group, Connected Kinesiologists, and we do weekly meetups. And we had someone from Lumino Health come in. And before we started, I was telling the organizer, I've got a whole bunch of things to say. And they're not going to be nice. Like, do you still want me in on this? She's like, bring it, bring it. I, I got riled up in that one. I actually had to leave just because it just, it was too much for me. Anyway. I've met with them a number of times and the, what you're going to get is a sales pitch from them. They're going to give you a half an hour sales pitch, whether you like it or not. Like yeah. it's, it's sort of, uh, but anyway, that, those are issues that, you know, low fees are also another issue, right. uh, but that's important. That's, that's definitely on our horizon. The, uh, working with the CMTA on, on HST. That's something that really nothing was happening because of the pandemic. Um, the CMTA is, of course, the association of all of, uh, all of uh, massage therapy groups across the country. They really had very little involvement prior. It was kind of like a, a one-man show for Ontario. And I think uh, I'm in charge of that commit working committee. And I think... Uh, We've had three meetings so far. I think we're going to make some very good progress with that. Uh, I think we need to make sure people understand what uh, the HST exemption means. It's really good for patients, but it's it's not going to be a financial or uh, you know boom for massage therapists. In fact, if anything, you're not going to be able to charge back some of your HST yep. mm-hmm. that you previously uh, were able to do. So, you know, we need to make sure people understand that. But uh, you know, we know we have. A lot of people that are very interested in that and uh, you know we're going to advocate nationally to the feds on that issue so 
you know, we've got a lot of things that we, that are in the docket. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to like, Mark, I'm sorry that I kind of, uh, gave you the, uh, the cold shoulder or the parent <laughs> cold shoulder, but, uh, anytime, like, it's, I'm not, I'm not, uh, well, I don't know. I'm not a tough date or something like that. All you got to do is ask, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm here because, uh, that's my job. Like you want me on your show. I'm happy to come and talk. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm a controversial issues. I'm happy to talk about them. I mean, there's only so much that we can do on some, and I'll tell you what our position is and so right. on and so forth, but I'm happy to, uh, to sort of, uh, anytime you would like me to sort of be part of your show. Um, and I think that's true. Any, anyone who's asked me to be part of a conference or something like that, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm agnostic. I mean, I'll, uh, any group that asks, uh, me to be involved, I'm happy to, uh, to sort of uh, speak to that group. Well, I appreciate the transparency, you know, and it also just, again, reinforces for members and for, you know, for all RMTs that advocacy is what the RMTAO does. You know, you guys are on our side and, you know, just you being willing to come on the show and talk about all of these things and being very open is, again, I think just reinforcing to RMTs that, you're you're there for us, right? So um, I appreciate you being so open. And um, even if you did give Mark the cold shoulder, I don't really blame you. <laughs> yeah, we do a ton of one-on-one advocacy. Like we, that's maybe historically what we've done really well. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I've got a problem. It's my, you know, 6,000 people. Every, there's, you know, 5,000 problems going on out there. So you you contact us. We will get back to you almost immediately. Someone answers the phone that kind of thing. So we're, we're there for people in that respect too. You don't have to be part of a big strategic group for us to, to hear you and listen to you. Maybe you can speak to this because we had a former board member on speaking about this. When, when people have issues that they want to bring up with the RMTAO or they have suggestions, she was saying basically a lot of the times you're talking to the wrong group of people at the RMTAO. Like She would get a whole bunch of things as a board member, people asking her questions or giving her suggestions on stuff. And she's like, this is not for me to do. Like I can't talk about this, ty- this thing that you're asking me to talk about. And and or this is just not in my department of stuff that I handle. Like you're, in other words, I understand everything you're saying and what you're saying is very valid, but you're barking up the wrong tree here. So maybe you can give some ideas as to who are we supposed to direct things to when we have concerns about different types of things. So the board board's role is is not operations. It's it's more strategic direction. Mm-hmm. But it's not really that complicated to sort of say, Hey, listen, you've got some ideas, just send it to, you know, we have an info line that is, uh, you know, Laura and her team uh, manage that they are exceptionally good at responding to people and have a lot of practical and understanding knowledge way more than I do. But all you need to do is uh, send me an email like Michael at rmtao.com. I, I, we answer every single email that we get. I think we pride ourselves on our ability to to respond. And, uh, you know, we, we can't, I mean, sometimes people want us to do things that aren't appropriate and so on and so forth. But I think, you know, in a nice way, we'll tell them that, uh, you know, we like your idea or we don't like your idea or we can't do that right now. I mean, we can't always say that. But if, if there's an issue that you have with something and we will, we will advocate for you. Like if it's contacting Prometric or if it's contacting the CMTO to help clarify something. I mean, our, our, our role with CMTO, for example, is not really 
to be an altern alternate uh, governance or uh, regulator. But our, our role is definitely to try and help people get answers from them, help clarify situations and things like that. And I think that, you know, that's what we do when uh, recently, you know, a lot of people had some challenges with the various back to work and guidelines, safety guidelines from um, from the different, uh, you know, public health units, you know, which unfortunately every one of them is a power unto itself. And there's like, I think, 36 of them. So, you know, some of them were enforcing the regulations you need to wear eye, eye, con eye, eye protection. So. People wrote me some letters or give me a call and I, I phone them up and I, I send a, a note to the ministry. They responded right away. That's one of the good things about being at these tables. They, they answer very quickly. We help clarify that. That's just like sort of one-on-one -on -one kind of work. And then actually I got the CMTO to clarify their position, which they put out some statements clarifying mm -hmm. the, the standard on that. I mean, that all happened because uh, a couple people were having some challenges in London, Ontario, or one, one person and uh, maybe another person out as well. Right. I dig it. Yeah. I, again, appreciate you coming on and clarifying yeah. some things. And Thank it was you. good to catch up because, as we said, we haven't talked to anybody um, officially with the RMTAO for a while. We yeah. had an ex-board member on. but And we've had board members that are they're now board members but we they had were them not when they were. <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah. so it's been a while since we've uh, updated people about what's going on with the RMTAO. So I'm glad we got to do this. And yeah, definitely if more things come up or, you know, any other controversy <laughs> comes up that we we want to hear your take on it. Now we know that we can just ask yeah. and you will be here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of sitting back waiting to hear the position that you guys have about the whole peer assessment thing. Because we've yeah. talked about we'll that wait. quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> we've talked about it on both sides of the coin there. We I, have, yeah. I'm I'm really curious as to what you guys are going to have to say. That is a big uh, concern, and the board is, uh, uh, yeah, I don't want to speak for them, but they, they are, many of them are, you know, uh, teachers and instructors and stuff like that. So they, they uh, we definitely want to help people through that. Yeah. And um, um, there's definitely more, more to come there. Um and uh, it needs to be done right. I think that's the thing that we can insist on. Like uh, peer assessment's important, but it needs to be if, when it's a process, especially if you're changing processes, that uh, it needs to be done properly, fairly, things like that. So, yeah. all right. Well, you've you've already given out your contact email. So, anyone listening, if you do have anything you want to talk to Michael about, please don't flood him all at the same time with emails. But I'm sure he's used to it. <laughs> Michael at RMTAO. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably the worst person. Uh, not that I'm bad. Not that I'm. I don't get back to people. But if you go to in our info line or Laura at RMTO, like they are really, really good. Like they're. I'm the weak link in the chain. Probably <laughs> is in this organization. So, but yeah, absolutely. Contact us. That's what we're there for. Awesome. We're we're there for people. I mean, if you have a, pro a challenge, contact us. That's what we're there for. If you have a beef with with us, contact us. Let us know. I mean, uh, you know. That's what we're, that's that's our job. You must have to have a pretty uh, thick skin to do what you do, Michael, because I'm sure you do get a lot of the uh, beef calls too. <laughs> I don't have as thick a skin as you think, but uh, I'm not used to. I mean, I'm most mostly think of myself as an executive that's accountable to a board and that. But uh, 
I know what it's like. I, I think I have a better understanding of what's, what it'd be like to be a politician where everybody says anything they want to say about you and they're entitled to say that. So I do, I do, you know, but I keep going. I think it's important. Uh, the board supports us uh, and so on and so forth. And I have the uh, guys on the team that have been around for quite a while that sort of say, you know, this is just normal. Don't, don't, don't let it rankle too much. Yeah, I think you might identify with that Britney Spears documentary a little bit. It's as goofy as that sounds, <laughs> but it's absolutely I true. That. I haven't seen that that documentary, but I'm free Britney. You might you might identify with it a little bit. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, this has been hanging out. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. All right. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Peace.